0: At this time, what I'd like to do is turn your attention to the scripture reading for this morning. It comes to us from uh, the New Testament. Once again, this is from uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15. and I'm going to read verses 50 down through 58, which is the end of the chapter. So find it on your app, uh, grab a Bible, um, look in the liturgy, and... uh, Hear the word of the Lord. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, vain. So far the reading of God's glorious word. Um, If there's one thing we know about the Apostle Paul, it's that he is a very logical thinker, a very logical writer. When you look through his letters, what you notice is that he's always writing in a logical way to build arguments. He piles One argument on top of another argument on top of another argument so that his point by the end is it's airtight. It's unassailable. And the same thing applies in 1 Corinthians 15. It's this beautiful passage about the resurrection. And throughout this uh, chapter, Paul piles on these arguments to demonstrate, to prove really that Jesus did rise from the dead. He argues the resurrection, and he basically says that because Jesus rose from the dead, anyone who believes in Jesus and trusts in Jesus will one day rise from the dead too. But when he gets to the end of this passage in chapter 15, in verses 54 through 57 in that kind of area, he stops the logic. It's not that what he says is illogical, it's that that he he doesn't seem concerned with building the logical argument in anymore because he kind of gets caught up in the prospect that Jesus actually did rise from the dead. And so he turns from prose to poetry. He goes from making arguments to simply pure rhetoric. And he mocks death. Where's your staying? Where's your victory? Some of you maybe have seen uh, A Christmas Carol. Uh, In A Christmas Carol, um, Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by three ghosts. And the third ghost is the ghost of Christmas future. And it's basically the Grim Reaper. Uh, For those of you who don't know, the Grim Reaper represents death. And he's personified as a skeleton wearing a black, dark cloak and he has what's called a scythe, which is a, a long, curved, very sharp knife on a long pole. And he comes for Ebenezer Scrooge. And he's a very terrifying figure. And he, he comes for everyone, actually, not just Ebenezer. He comes for you and he comes for me. But the picture that Paul ha- paints for us here, it's like it's like, like the Grim Reaper is in the grave. Death Itself is dead. And there's Paul dancing on the grave, ridiculing the grim reaper. That's what Easter is all about. Because the grave is empty. The absolute impossible happened. Jesus did it. He came back. There's no one in the tomb. But here's the thing. Many of us right now, this morning are not jumping up and down with joy in our heart and dancing on the proverbial grave of death itself. We're not saying to ourselves, look look at you, death. You don't look so tough now. I'm not afraid of you. We're not doing that. In fact, we read, where, O oh, death is your sting, which it says in verse 55, we read that, and we think to ourselves, that sting's pretty, pretty real to me. It's still here. You've lost people very close, very dear. And the pain of that loss remains. And, and you're suffering very heavily, particularly during this pandemic time. You're, you're, you're feeling it in the depths of your feet, in, 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 the, in the very marrow of your bones. And so you can't connect with Paul on this. And, and to some degree, all of us are, are experiencing this on some level. I mean, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> and the specter of death hangs over our entire society. And so we are fearful for ourselves, we are fearful uh, uh, for loved ones, and we wonder to ourselves, how in the world could Paul say that? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Why would he say that? Well, Easter's about hope, friends. That's what it's all about. And we could use a good dose of hope, don't you think? And we're going to look at two things in this passage. The first thing is not going to sound very hopeful, I'll be honest with you. But without it, the second thing, which is going to sound super duper hopeful, wouldn't be so hopeful. The first thing we're going to see in this little passage is that suffering and death are absolutely inevitable. But the second thing we're going to see, and this is the good news... Is that even though they're inevitable, even though they're unavoidable, they are redeemable? In other words, suffering is not just an end, okay? It's, it's not just the finish, it it can be redeemed, It's it can be transformed, it can be used by God for his glory and for ours as well. That's what we're going to see. And that is a unique hope, by the way, that is a unique hope to the gospel. I don't know of any other system of thought, I don't know of any other ideology, I don't know of any other worldview or religion that understands the place of suffering and death in our lives that way. It's unique to the gospel. So let's have a look here. In verses 50 to 53, of course, Paul is talking about death, and he's talking about the resurrection. And he makes an assumption in there that that death happens to us all. We're all faced with the specter of death. It's coming for all of us because, he says, we are perishable. We are perishable. We're flesh and blood. That's verse 50, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood is what we are, and it cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable, which is what we are, inherit the imperishable, the never-ending, the ongoing, the eternal. And so death is still a reality in our world. And of course, we don't need to be convinced of that right now. Every time you turn on the news, one of the things that you are confronted with is the latest death toll. Um, the projections you saw probably came out on Thursday, the national projections of uh, the potential death toll uh, in Canada and the, the, the worst number is absolutely staggering. I, I have to admit to you though that, that I find it just uncanny that that came out to us this week, Holy Week, right before Easter weekend because you see, We don't want to think about death. In fact, no culture in history tries to avoid considering the reality of death the way our culture does. And so this pandemic has has forced us to reckon with it, that there's no escape from it. And because there's no escape from death, in fact, that means that there's really no escape from suffering either. Because you see, death is the result of decay there's another place in 2 Corinthians, another letter that Paul wrote. In chapter 4, he says something very interesting. In verse 16, he says, "Outwardly we are wasting away." We're wasting away, we're decaying, and in fact, everything is wasting away. Our bodies are wasting away. No matter how hard you try to delay it and slow it down through exercise and diet and this kind of stuff, you know that your body is decaying. It's inevitable. Our relationships are constantly decaying. Even the best ones are always falling apart to some degree. Our work, our employment is decaying. The environment around us, the the natural world is decaying. Everything seems to be moving towards decay. And so suffering is inevitable. Now, many cultures actually accept that. Many cultures do, but not ours, not our modern Western culture. Because you see, our narrative, our story about the meaning of life is basically this. It's about being happy. That's what life is about. So, so you, you discover what makes you happy, then you pursue what makes you happy, then you achieve what makes you happy, and then you enjoy what makes you happy. And that's what life is all about. And so suffering is only ever seen as an obstruction to achieving your purpose in life. It's it's an invasion, an intrusion. It gets in the way. And that's why you see that we always want to blame someone for the suffering that we experience. We we want to hold somebody responsible for it. When, When trouble comes, we even say to ourselves, well, wait a minute. This isn't according to plan. This isn't what I expected. This isn't how I thought things were going to go. And sometimes, even worse, we... We, we, we think to ourselves, you know, well, I've been a good guy and I've done everything right. I've tried my very best. What gives? Why is this happening to me? I don't even understand that because I've, I've tried very, very hard to be a good person. <laughs> Jesus Christ was the best person that ever lived. Perfect in every way, never made a misstep, and yet... He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with suffering. You know why? Because it's inevitable. Let let me just help you to see this by considering one thing. What is the thing that most of us really want out of life? What's that one most important thing? Isn't Isn't it love? Isn't love at the heart of reality? Isn't love... Loving and being loved the most important thing to us? Well, if you want to love and experience love, you must suffer. You can never truly love without it because, you see, real love hurts. Um, When you love a person, when you choose to love someone, you are taking a risk. Necessarily, you have to take a risk because you're making yourself vulnerable. You're opening yourself up. You have to trust someone and and you begin to make sacrifices for the sake of that relationship with that person. You you take things on the chin. When they hurt you, you forgive them, meaning that you kind of, you absorb the punishment that they deserve. And if you want to avoid suffering, if you never want to get hurt, you're going to have to avoid love. Never love anything. C.S. Lewis put it starkly when he wrote this. He said, if you wanna make sure, sorry, love anything, this is, here we go, love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you wanna make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements lock it safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness but in that casket safe dark motionless airless it'll change it will not be broken it will become unbreakable impenetrable irredeemable to love is to be vulnerable the alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. Suffering and death are inevitable. And you know what? We, we have a whole generation in Western culture that is facing that reality right now for the very first time. Really, facing it head-on, the starkness of it. And it's leading to tremendous fear and despair, and depression, we need hope. We need Easter hope. And you know what? Easter hope pierces the gloom of a life shot through with trouble. See, Paul, he asks two questions here. He says, where, O death, is your victory? And then he asks, where, O death, is your sting? And we're going to take the second question first, and then the first question second. Okay? Where, O death, is your sting? What is that about? I remember I used to struggle with this, actually, quite a bit, because I thought, what does he mean? Like, death can't hurt us anymore? I mean, it sure hurts me. I've lost, in the last 10 or 12 years, I've lost three people that were very, very close to me, and I still feel the pain of that. So how in the world can it be that it doesn't hurt me anymore? But that's not what... What Paul is doing, he doesn't dispute that for a second. He's he's talking about something very specific. He's saying that that there there is a sting that is specific to death. Look at verse 56. He says, the sting of death is sin. You know, bees have stingers, right? And when they sting a person, they leave that stinger in the victim. When they sting, and that's why they can only sting once and then they die, right? Because their effectiveness is gone. Paul is saying to death, Where is your stinger? You stung, but where is your stinger? And the answer is, It's in Jesus Christ on the cross. Because you see, on the cross, Jesus Christ was stung with the stinger of death. Death stung Jesus on the cross. All our sin was laid on him. But you see, because he was stung with sin, we never have to be stung with sin. By being stung by death, all the poison of our sin seeped deep into his heart and into his body, and he buried the sting of death in the grave. That's what Paul is saying. But but you see, when he rose... You see, death no longer has a sting. Because the sting of death, you see, the sting of death is sin. You heard me say this on Good Friday. All things end in judgment. On the last day when the trumpet does sound, we all stand before our creator and the judge of the universe. And you see, our sin deserves punishment. But for those of us who put our trust in Jesus, he's dealt with that sin. It's been dealt with by him. He took it on the cross. And so we're all called to give an account. But you and I, if we're holding on to Jesus Christ, we have no sin to account for at the judgment. And that's why the sting of death is gone. And that's why Paul can laugh at it and say, Where, O death, is your sting? The first question he asks is, "Where, O death, is your victory?" He says, "Death has lost its victory." Why does he say that? Well, he says in the beginning, or just above, uh, "Where, O death, is your victory?" He says, "Death has been swallowed up in victory." Now, this is this is a phrase that he has taken from Isaiah twenty-five. In Isaiah twenty-five, an Old Testament prophecy. It pictures the end of history uh, where God has worked absolute victory over evil. Now, here's what's incredible about what Paul is saying here. Every religion of the world, Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism, every single one of them says that suffering will end. Whether they believe in a linear history or a cyclical history or whatever, suffering can end, it, and it will end. And in fact, some of them actually offer good strategies for how to handle your suffering in the here and now, particularly Buddhism offers some pretty good strategies for dealing with our suffering. But here's the gospel being utterly unique, okay? It says that death is swallowed up in victory. What does that mean? Well, think about it. When you take food in your mouth, when you swallow food, what happens? You ingest it, then you digest it. You incorporate it into yourself. It becomes part of you. And what does it do? It makes you bigger. That's why some of us are bigger than we should be. <laughs> the promise of the resurrection is the suffering that you face now the hardship that you experience now is not just going to be compensated at the end. It's not like at the end of the day, God is going to just sort of uh, pay you back for all the hardships that you've got to experience now. He's not saying to us, listen, don't worry. I know it's tough now. I know it completely sucks, but but hang in there. It'll all be over soon, and I'll take it away. Oh, no, it's much, much better than that. He's saying that your suffering right now, even as we go through this pandemic, and my suffering right now, will actually make the glory we experience in the end all the more glorious. It, it will make the glory bigger. It will make your glory bigger. I, it's like if you lose something precious. I was talking to Matt C. in our engaged group, and he was telling the story of how he was at the beach. Uh, he was married, and uh, he and Linda were at the beach with a bunch of friends or family or something, and he's in the water, and he's throwing a ball around, and he's having a good time, and ball comes to at one point, and he, he reaches out his hand to grab it, and his ring finger goes, plunk, into the water at the beach. And he just froze and was like, uh-oh. And somehow, miracle of miracles by being very, very careful, he and his friends kind of moved around in the sand and actually found that ring back. And, you know, having lost it, it's even more precious to him. Or on a more serious note, um, you know, my parents uh, were married for 40 some odd years, and not all of those years were easy. Not all, not all of those years were were happy years. In fact, they went through some really, really, really troubling times to the point where they were wondering if whether or not they should just pack it in and go their separate ways. And thankfully, they said, no, we're not going to do that. We are going to stick together and we are going to do whatever it takes to make this work. And so they went to counseling and they spent time together and they went to more counseling. They went to more counseling and they, they changed habits and things about themselves and learned how to communicate better and they 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 changed the way they operated in their relationship in order to make it more smooth and 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 they came out the other side you see it was it was hard it was incredibly difficult and it was incredibly painful for for quite a period of time I'm not talking about just like a couple of weeks or even a couple of months but there were years where it was tough and they they slogged through it but when they came out the other side they will tell they would tell you they told us their kids they said you know they were stronger their marriage was stronger it was more precious it was more satisfying it was more intimate it was more delightful than they ever thought it could be as a result If Jesus' resurrection happened, ours will too. That's the promise. And it means that everything sad and horrible will come untrue. In fact, all the sad and horrible things will be brought into the future glory that will make that future glory that much more glorious than if we had never experienced the suffering in the first place. Friends, do you not see what God is promising here because of the resurrection of Jesus is that he will do the same with us and for us that he did with Jesus and for Jesus on the cross. When Jesus was dying on that cross, death thought it had won. It thought it had won. Satan thought he had won. But God had used evil against itself on the cross And he's going to do that again in our resurrection. Let me finish with a quote from a scholar. He says, the resurrection effectually goes back and robs death of all its previous victories, all the knots it has tied in our lives and the lives of our families. Jesus will go back through it all and restore everything to his wonderful redemption glory. That's a message we need to hear, especially in this time in our history. Hear it. Relish it. Find hope in it. Let's pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus. And we thank you that not only did you take away our fear of judgment because the sting of death that is sin is now gone. It's taken away. But you even do more than that. You promise us that the suffering we're facing right now will be used by you to increase our glory in eternity. And I know, Father, for many of us right now, the suffering feels almost too much to bear. Lord, we've been in the midst of this pandemic maybe for a few weeks and maybe it's gonna last a few months and maybe the the ripple effects are gonna be felt for a few years and it feels so long. But God in heaven... You have gifted us with everlasting life. A billion years from now, what we're facing now will seem like an eye blink in comparison. But it will all have been used to make us more glorious than we could ever imagine. What a God! What a God that is not satisfied to just take away the bad and say, here's the good instead, but to actually take up the bad and put it in the good. Father, you are unbelievable. If there is anyone listening this morning who has not put their trust in you and finds this story too good to be true, I pray, O Lord, that because it's too good to be true, they would actually believe it. Because, Father, the reality is is that humankind could never make up a story like this. We couldn't. And we didn't. It is your story. And we praise you for it. Amen.